Blog Talk Radio. How did you feel speaking down the barrel of a camera about this subject? Well, I obviously didn't get as emotional as Ebony because, as I said in that video, I didn't really experience a great deal of that as a young man growing up in Jamaica. Perhaps because I wasn't in that society or the mixing with people that would have shown me that racism. But what I want to expand on the award is what I said about education. Education is important unless we just want to continue living the life that we are living and continue just having demonstrations every now and again and a few people saying a few things. And when I say education, I mean going back in history. What people need to understand is that this thing stems from a long time ago, hundreds of years ago. The dehumanization of the black race is where it started. And people will tell you, oh, that's a long time ago. Get over it. No, you don't get over things like that. And the society has not gotten over something like that. I'll skip all the gap between the long years ago and make one point and then go back it. That lady in the Central Park in, in, in New York, Amy Cooper, I think is her name. If she did not have in her DNA the thought process that she was white, this man is black, if I call a police officer, nine times out of ten he's going to be white, I'm going to be considered right immediately. The black guy will have to prove that he's not guilty. And by the time he proves that he's not guilty, he might be dead. She had that in her mind from day one. That is why she said and did what she did. How do you get rid of that in the society? By educating both sides, black and white. I hear people talking about brainwashing. I didn't quite understand as a young man what brainwashing meant. I now understand what brainwashing meant, what it means. We have been brainwashed, and not just black people. White people have been brainwashed in different ways. I go back many years. Think about religion. You and I are supposed to be Christians. I'm not really a very holy person. <laughs> not a very religious person. But that's what we were taught. Look at Jesus Christ, the image that they give you of Jesus Christ. Pale skin, blonde hair, blue eyes. Where Jesus came from, who in that part of the world looks that, that way? But again, that's the brainwashing to show you this is what perfection is. This is what the image of perfection is. If you look at any plays of those days, Judas who betrayed Jesus, he's a black man. Again, brainwashing people into think, oh, he's a black man. He was, he's the bad man. Go through history, Wadi. These lights that are shining on us. You can tell me who invented the light bulb, right? Thomas Edison, right? Everybody knows Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Thomas Edison invented a light bulb with a paper filament. It burnt out in no time at all. Can you tell me who invented the filament that makes these lights shine throughout? Nobody knows because it's a black man. I was not taught in schools. Lewis Howard Latimer invented the carbon filament to allow lights to continue to shine. Who knows that? Everything should be, teach, should be taught. When you go back through the schooling as a young man, I remember my school days. I was never taught anything good about black people. And you cannot have a society that is brought up like that, both white and black, that only teach what's convenient to the teacher. History is written by the conqueror, not by those that are conquered. History is written 
by the people who do the harm, not by the people who get harmed. And we need to go back and teach both sides of history. And until we do that and educate the entire human race, this thing will not stop. They keep, they keep on telling me there's nothing called white privilege. Give me a break. I don't see any white people going into a store on Oxford Street and being followed. A black man walks in, somebody's following him everywhere he goes. That is basic white privilege. Whether that white person went to rob the place or not, is not going to be thought of that way. And things like that have to change. Come join with me, let's be tribute to Mike Finley. SPG come jump with me and be tribute to Mike Finley. I am sure you all remember the achievements made by this cricketer. Now come, let's join as one and pay tribute to the man who let us pay tribute to a great Vincent The greatest keeper to pass through the region. He made smaller than cricket by the ladder. But then injustices and pressure. A footballer, basketballer, he's great wicket keeper, a sprinter, a long jumper, a superstar goalkeeper. I say we should strong this man. Every great is sportsman. Every Vinci man. And woman, then you come together as one and salute to champion. I want you politicians to know when you're talking about national heroes. No way you might be dead to put no crumb on his head. Who let us pay tribute to this great Vincent Shaw? The greatest keeper to pass through the region. He took the combined island to the top of the ladder. He led the anti ball encounter. Against England in Sensusha. The great deeper, so they drop more in the war record holder. We take this man to Australia, but that alone we should crown the man. This is great, sportsman. Play New Zealand in Bimsha, no camera, no sword, umpire. The cast is spectacular, the umpire send Glentona. But when he told the skipper for Gary, he did not take the catch cleanly. Everyone thought it was a joke. They called him the fool. Who let us pay tribute to a true sportsman? One of the fairest out of the Caribbean. An athlete of integrity. Win or lose, he played on his feet. He's so cool, he's so humble. A great role model, a perfect example for all sports people. I am going to crown this man. Vincent Shaw, the greatest keeper to pass through the region. 
cricket and soccer. This wire a very strong leader. I am going to from this man, the Caribbean greatest sportsman. Let me say, 
looking at a happy man, rendering a happy song, and wondering what is going on. I have no house, no land. I have no big diamond. I have no Cadillac or no van. I can't pay my bills on time. Even that to blow my mind. You still want to know why I'm smiling so. I have a good peace of mind. I contented all the time. And I have a loving wife and she's fine. That's why I'm happy. I'm happy. The girl is a happy, happy man. I'm happy. I'm happy. Nobody out there happy. who will certainly be given their comments and expectations for the future. We also want to go to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. As you know, the cricket is down there. We hope that uh, we will be in touch with uh, Keswick Williams and the president of cricket, Dr. Shadow. Uh, he's there. And uh, as you know, last week we spoke such a circumstance. We want to get Sri Lanka, 
So I, I think continuing um, on the field to improve um, and keep putting performances there and being consistent. Uh, and off the field, I think, you know, just reading uh, and taking all the information in, I think getting the finances under control, sponsorship, attracting new sponsors, and then obviously the development of the game. Um, some of the things we've talked about in the past, between the quality of pitches, facilities, players to train right into the Caribbean, um, and investment and make sure that the finances are in, uh, are in good shape. Surpluses when India and England talk, and then we do 
therefore looking at our finances in a in a 12 month snapshot, depending on where the financial year starts and who tours. Uh, I don't think it's particularly meaningful or helpful. I think we need to one England tour and at least one India tour and look to whether you've been able to meet your obligations from a cash flow perspective and at the end of that cycle well one of the one of the intriguing things quantum of the deficit this year you know with COVID being a big part of the last 18 months and uh, with CWI uh, getting a loan from the, the size of the, the deficit and your response to that, you, you thought the deficit would be somewhere proportion to the to the last financial year, but I realize that the deficit is about thirteen million less. Is that a significant uh, increase? September last year. So about sometimes when you're asking me financial questions, you're talking about this year. It's already April for the next financial year. The audited statements are still 30th of September last year. And within that period of time, yes, the, the loss is ten million dollars. But you know, I think on the basis that we didn't host any
steady the ship and get the finance back on track. Absolutely, we can. What are the prospects for getting CWA into the black? Making good choices of our um, investments and how much money we spend, having really good control over our costs, hence the restructure of our technology, implementing a procurement system, all these things will, will have, um, um, I guess, uh, greater control of our cost base. We're also going to be auditing all of our international uh, budgets um, with our territorial boards or, or local cricket associations uh, to make sure that we're procuring not just our but in our territorial boards and associations, we're procuring services at the best possible price. Um, we, we're obviously looking to maximise revenue. That's obviously difficult at the moment with, with matches being played behind closed doors and an enormous increase in costs that we're facing by hosting France, uh, cricket in the pandemic. So in the short term, we're going through these unprecedented times, it's going to be challenging. But again, you notice from, from looking at the council from short, um, how much we've reduced our borrowing. Uh, you know, we no, no longer have um, anywhere near the debt that we had either institutional or, or member borrowings. So, um, you know, that's all part of the strategy to get them back on track and so that by the end of 2023, we, we don't want to have deficit. We don't want to have liabilities. We want a financial reserve. A lot of the operating costs uh, were reduced, let's say, by 20 million. Kind of thing. Uh, with the... Uh, again, Andrew, just to be clear, you know, yeah. Not operating any cricket since March um, 2020. Uh, that's where the. Uh, yeah, that's what that's. I was getting around to that. That it, it can be replicated because uh, hopefully we will get out of COVID. A lot of the costs will um, go back up. So in spite of You, you mentioned that as a way of getting back in the black, but do you think that you can save enough from the price of the share offset other uh, areas where revenue will be lost? I think we've been able to under the new media rights agreements is, is not just maximize revenue, but instead of um, being paid by the board when certain teams pour and the value in those contracts against those pouring teams. Um,
uh, can only spend a few minutes with us. And uh, of course, we're going to continue to get some reaction from other personalities across the region. So I guess with our very good friends at Bovis Lottery for more new sport and culture. Yes, we, you are listening to Mason, Mason and Guest coming, coming to you on the on Cricket, the cricket show. show. We trust that, that you are hearing well. well. We, apologize we apologize for the interruption that we are, we are, and we are experiencing. experiencing. And we're, and we're trying, trying our, our utmost to make, to make sure, sure that, that we have it fixed. Thanks, Thanks for being, being our guest. guest. And hope, hope that, that you, you will enjoy the remainder of the show. Back, Back over. over to make him starts another term. If you had to meet with Mr. Skerritt now, um, what would you say to him in relation to Um, well, I, I think it comes it comes down to looking at the uh, the amount of cricket being played in the schools over there, the quality of facility, quality of the domestic tickets, uh, grass nets, uh, access to uh, things things I've talked about before really investment in certain areas. It comes back to things. Um, Ones are, are with us. I'd love to see that be developed and get back to 
they have in Australia and New Zealand, England, and, and pretty much all the other sort of top nations, you know. Mm-hmm. I know Doc, you've got a question for, for Toby, he's going to do this pretty soon. Um, but some more immediate um, matters. What's the latest of the South Africa tour? Because I'm hearing that uh, they may not come. Is there any truth in that, Johnny? We had a really good meeting this morning with Cricket South Africa and our counterparts there to talk through um, the challenges we're facing with you and, and, and what our plans are. Um, you know, I can't stress enough how difficult organising international cricket is. Uh, I think we all want to forget that we're in a global pandemic because we've been in it so long. But um, you know, the challenges for cricket South Africa here to the Caribbean are untold. Uh, we think we've got a solution to that now. Um, to at least get them into the region. Uh, they've got one route they can come, um, which is via Paris and St. Martin. Uh, they're not allowed at the moment under the global um, rules. They're, they're a, a red zone country, so they cannot fly via the UK, they cannot fly via the US. And at this stage, we're still talking about governments because we need government approval to, to host them. So um, I'm confident that the tour will take as planned two test matches and T20s in June. Um, and we're working morning, noon, and night to, to bring that to fruition. But we're not in a position yet to confirm uh, exactly where the tour will take place and exactly when the schedule matches. But um, hopefully, we're we're coming to the end of those discussions with South Africa. And hopefully, by the end of the month, we'll be in that position to confirm all. So you're saying to us, Mr. and yes, that the tour is on. Uh, it's going to be on. Is that what you're saying, um, Donny? That was the the whole. Um, tone of the meeting that we had with South Africa this morning. Mm. As to what will happen in two weeks' time, six weeks' time, I don't have a crystal ball, but as things mm. stand at the moment, our counterparts of Cricket South Africa are expecting to travel in the Caribbean in June. Do you have any doubts at all in the back of your mind that it may not come off, Johnny? Again, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how, mm. how, if another volcano is going to explode. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They asked whether there's going to be a new strain or a third, fourth, right. fifth, whatever. No, these are unprecedented times. As I can give you now, as I sit here in Antigua, mm. I would say the top is on. Doc? Well, uh, yeah, that's a question. Toby, uh, we've, we've talked about the challenges of playing cricket during the global pandemic, and we may not have a four-day uh, tournament in the region. We've heard uh, some suggestions of maybe a best against best in each in each territory. How do you think the lack of actually being able to get time mm-hmm. in the middle and to prepare our players for visiting teams like South Africa and all the others? What do you think we can do? Well, I, I think I mean you know playing internal games in the middle as much as possible. In there's nothing like being in the middle. So even sort of an internal game is better than just being a net. Um, I mean, it has been nice to have come over and play for Gloucestershire. Uh, Alzari Joseph's over here. my Roach is over here. So there are three, you know, players getting practice playing county cricket. So I don't know whether there's opportunity for any more to come over or, um, or whether it's those particular three. For the others, obviously, it, it, it's getting, it's getting um, as competitive matches as they can. Position is playing, you know, high quality, um, you know, top teams, isn't it? You know, uh, you've helped Bonner and Black Hat using the technology. 
Do you think yeah. that sort of of a system is going to play a bigger percentage power even if we get out of this pandemic? Oh, for so sure. I, I think you know, that, um, the use of video, what sending stuff across, having conversations with players like this. I mean, as I did with on a few weeks ago, that is, that, that is the way forward. And it's amazing how technology has really taken the game on. And you can you can take this phone call here and five minutes, you can hopefully give someone a bit of feedback uh, to help them. Um, you, can, you can even have live sessions from Nets in different parts of the world. Australia or wherever, it's incredible what you can what you can achieve now. So hands on coaching and, and, and working there and standing there with a player. And that is obviously what you want. But 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 in the pandemic and um, you know, certainly something like Zoom and WhatsApp and, and, and being able to analyze and recommendations back has, has has been a massive plus. Yeah. Well, last question. Um, you did mention some of the infrastructure, uh, nets and, and machines and some other things that the lack engine. What are the possibilities for for making linkages with with let's say in the UK who may be better off and may have some equipment or may want to switch to grassroots clubs and and you know islands with their do you think this is something that's being, uh, you know, you placed or? No, I, look, and I, I and I think that I think that would be good. Caribbean islands and um, 
you know, and the head coach, Courtney Walsh, is seeing it. I hope he's going to have some players arriving on Sunday not knowing. Um, so it, it's, you know, it, it, it's hugely problematic for having a, an under-19 camp with the Barbados players in Barbados. But, you know, volcanic ash landed, that, that's a So there are challenges coming left, right and centre, but that doesn't stop us trying to put on cricket. Um, we're trying to move the system forward. Obviously, some schools are still closed. So many of the, the, the countries are, are not allowed to play cricket at the moment at the club level, um, or, or, you know, outside of the national team's training. So... Now we're we're navigating through unprecedented times to to um, yeah, get as much cricket as we played uh, possible, and uh, I think we've shown that and demonstrated that throughout the pandemic that where we can um, get cricket on, we will provide that at the highest possible quality. So again, we're looking to have a, a two camp for all the Test players before um, South Africa arrive. We're looking at convening, you know, up to thirty players in that camp they can play at least two possibly even three best v best games uh, as much as they can first class conditions doing everything we can to prepare our players with home World Cup uh, for the other nine is equally important World Cup qualifiers they've now been women's team so you know it, it's um, we haven't stopped operating trying but it's you know, it's, it's, it's very challenging and very uncertain. Just a question on, on, on vaccination. Don't you think it may become mandatory in relation to the cricketers? Well, not at this stage. Um, I think you know, whether that plays out, not just the cricketers, but the, the people in terms of their ability to travel more freely or, mm. or to enter different countries without the need to quarantine for as long. Um, you know, I think when that starts to, to come in play, we certainly don't want to be on the back foot. Um, when it comes to vaccinating our players. But at the same time, you know, again, there's the unique challenges of the Caribbean where you want to make sure that if you have your first shot of AstraZeneca or whatever, you, you're going to be in the right country at the right time to be able to get the second shot of the same vaccine. So this, mm. you know, these, are, you know, these are the unique challenges that make my job and working for West Indies cricket so exciting. Mm. Um, just before a doctor comes in on vaccination, um, um, Toby, you can stay with us. I know it's way past your bed, but of course, when you're ready to go, just put your hand up and say, Andrew, I need to get a, a couple Five minutes. And <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> right. But when are we going to know, um, Johnny, if we're going to have regional cricket or not, and what we're going to be really having if there's no regional, uh, regional um, cricket? Because we had Jimmy Adams on the show last week. And he was suggesting that there may be regional cricket. My understanding is that some players have been told there will be no regional cricket. Um, can you can you bring some clarity to this, or is it that difficult? Well, I think we're all very reluctant to say that there won't be any play cricket between now and the CPL. Um, okay. You know, you know, it's likely to happen uh, middle of August. And, you know, we want to hold on to playing some four-day cricket at some point this summer until it becomes, you know, absolute, absolutely impossible from a logistics and COVID perspective. But if we, if we cannot have regional first-class cricket, we will do our best to play whatever four-day cricket we can at the highest possible standard. So um, we're still looking at options. I think you know, we've got a board meeting at the end of the month, um, whether we can work through all the challenges by then. Um, certainly, certainly, 
flexibility is a good thing, but you know, we, we continue to be very agile and adapt our plans, and we don't want to just make an easy decision and say no four-day cricket, no class cricket until 2022. We, we want to hold on to whatever possibility we've got to do it, and we hope that the situation from a COVID perspective, vaccines rolling out and regional travel will improve. But um, we've been saying that now as many people in not just the Caribbean, but the world has hoped for months and months and months we're still in the midst of it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're optimistic and hopeful, but at some point um, being able to play four-day cricket before the CPL will, will either become apparent or not. Yes, um, so we, um, last week, uh, I had a nice chat with Jimmy Adams and he talked about some of the functional deficiencies we can see in the in the red ball team uh, things uh, and in the white ball teams. Uh, like, for example, um, finding some other openers that, you know, having a cadre of openers that we can, we can call on. Um, also, looking at beginners, also collecting the, the bowlers that can bowl at, at high speed together and, you know, dealing with the short ball, that sort of thing. Yeah. These, these, um, things in cricket, how as a coach do you think we should look at them in the region to, to kind of solve them? I mean, playing the short ball, you, you, you need pitches that are going to give you a bit more and, and, you know, we've talked before about how pitches in recent times have got slower and lower. So what you've seen generally is West Indian batters are quite good at playing spin, um, far better than they were a number of years ago. And in fact, they've gone to Bangladesh. And what in Bangladesh, they play well against Sri Lanka. Both of those sides are more spin and medium pace based. Um, and I think that's because of the nature of the pitches. Now, if we go back 20 years ago when all the things had, you know, 90 mile an hour buck holders, even in hit second teams, surfaces we could hook and we're better off the bat generally. Um, those can still be Doc? Not personally, but I've seen him on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, of course, he, he's very much in St. Vincent. And by the way, Johnny, um, what are you doing for the for the players in, in, in St. West Indies? I mean, you've got some good players down there. Um, are you sending stuff down there, guys, Johnny? Thank you very much, Mr. Dyer, who is on We've all seen you know, what's happened in St. Vincent and also, you know, particularly in Barbados, which has been so badly affected. Um, yeah, we've um, really liaising very much with uh, our Vice President, Dr. Shallow, in terms of how we can support, raise awareness, um, because I don't think it's not global. Opportunities for our team as they prepare 
all that, those important qualifiers in December and the under 19 for the Home World Cup. So, um, yeah, it continues to be a challenge, but um, we haven't made any decision yet or recommendation on where we would host Australia or indeed Pakistan directly afterwards. We are in uh, at least weekly um, as a group, and, and certainly more often than that, with bringing South Africa, Australia, and Pakistan and national governments trying to figure out how we um, continue to adapt calendar to make sure that all the teams can come safely, all the matches can be fulfilled and you know, we can bring some cricket to the region but I think ultimately at this stage all the matches are likely to be played behind closed doors so hopefully people can watch on TV and on radio until even though they won't be in the, in the stands. So, so there's no confirmation because reports have been planned left, right and centre that Trinidad will be hosting South Africa and to be hosting our good friends from Australia. So that is not confirmed at all. No. Even that to blow my mind You still want 
that that was really wrong here. It should be before the volcano, before Corona. So Corona and Dignity together. But now that the volcano is, is the main topic now, you know, I think that the government is still trying to make people be aware that, yo, remember, there is still the COVID protocols that you still have to be aware of. Um, they're still trying to get people to take the vaccine, which would be kind of smart now to do, but they're still not 100% sure of the vaccine. A lot of people are still saying, I am not sure about the vaccine yet, so I'm not taking it yet. And that's the only issue. But then I think the government is doing their best to make, make people still be aware of your wear mask, still sanitize, still do what you have to do, because at the end of the day, you don't want COVID to get out of control because it's probably the easiest way to spread right now where this volcano is getting on really bad. Mm-hmm. Jamal, you're hearing all this. Yeah, 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 Doc. I know you have a question for, for Jamal. Yes, Doc. Yeah. Uh, Jamal, you, you have the, the perspective here of the sportsmen, and we've had significant ashfall, and we've been grappling with our, our second wave is hopefully coming uh, to an end. Uh, what is it like trying to be a professional cricketer identifying these that these are the issues uh, and the impending hurricane season, which we hope will be will be kind to us. Uh, good night, everyone. Um, it's a huge challenge that's happening to us right now. I mean, there's no one wants to no one wants to walk into Iraq. And as you said, the hurricane season is upon us, but you have to find a way find a way to get through this. So for me, from the first COVID um, phase, I made sure that I got the gym at my house, so that I continue training. I'm putting in my work. Um, then whenever we have opportunities to use the net, I'll be using as well. So homework has become a big part of my um, program. But with Ashton also, difficult even work up in the house but they can't breathe, can't open the windows. Mm. So it's, it's a huge challenge right now. Now that everything's clear cleared up now in Barbados, not to have a lot of ash falling like before. So by just density now you could go there and actually now left from places that calls in. So that's been a huge challenge but you have to find a way to overcome it. Can't say relax the well this is what is in front of me and you can't do that but
Vice President Cricket West Indies. Good evening to you, Dr. Shallow. Good evening, Andrew, Dr. Ford, Toby, and our two distinguished players. To, to my, my two friends, Vincent and John, I should say. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, so all you need now is, is, is Cameron Coffee, I would imagine. We can try and get him on the line. Come join with me, let's introduce you to Mike Finley. SVG come jump with me and introduce you to Mike Finley. I am sure you all remember the achievements made by this cricketer. Now come, let's join and go on and pay tribute to the man who let us pay tribute to a great thing. Give us a, a picture of the, the damages to 
Cameron Coffee, so we're gonna go straight to him now. Hello, Cameron, how are you? Hey, Andrew, um, let me say, um, you know, thanks for inviting me on your program, and I like to say, you know, a pleasant, you know, good evening to all the listeners throughout the Caribbean. Right, well, uh, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine, everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Kishore Shallow, fellow Benson on the line, Jamal Warton. Uh, who is Ben Fenton, and uh, we also have, of course, the international star, Keswick Williams, as well. What part of the world are you, Cameron? Oh, I'm, I'm um, in Queens, New York. Oh, you're in Queens, New York, huh? Yes, I'm uh, in I, Queens, I, New York, yes. Are there many Ben Fentons there? Um, probably, probably about the same population in, uh, in, in St. Vincent. Oh. You know, there's a lot of people that live in the, in the diaspora. And, um, you know, we in the diaspora, we have been, you know, doing quite a lot, you know, trying to, you know, gather as much as, as possible in terms of, um, you know, getting funds, you know, getting clothes and um, food, you know, to help, um, you know, the 20,000 20, Vincentians that have been um, displaced from the volcanic eruption. You know, on that that occurred on ninth of April. Right. Um, any of your family back in uh, St. Vincent affected, Cameron? Um, no, I spoke to my brothers. Um, I also have a, a, a son there. My son is also there. Okay. And um, everyone, you know, every, everyone is doing fine. Everyone is doing fine. Right. Okay. And but you said your son. Um, so he well, he's in the green zone. Your son. Uh, he's, he's, he's more to the, to the southern, southern, southern part of the island. Mm-hmm. How do you, how yeah, do you feel about all this, though? I mean, as a Vincentian, um, several Vincentians in Queens, and of course, uh, throughout the world, I mean, you must be very, very, um, you know, sad, given what has happened yes, to your country. Yes, of course, you know, because, I mean, I have, I have experienced, um, the, the, the eruption in, in, um, in 1979. Right. I was nine years old at the time. 
And um, I know that this eruption, not on the same scale as 1979. Um, so, you know, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very sad for those, those um, persons who have been displaced. Um, a lot of them, you know, they're uh, away from the home. They don't know how, how soon they're going to be, they're going to get back, you know, home because the home has been completely destroyed. Some of these people have to be evacuated with uh, little possession or uh, absolutely nothing at all. So it is very, 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 very um, devastating. So, you know, I would like to, you know, appeal to, you know, all fellow Vincentians, Women abroad, you know, people in the, in the in the Caribbean, you know, wherever, wherever, you know, this um this broadcast is being heard, you know, to, you know, try to contribute, you know, what little you can because, you know, the road ahead is gonna be is gonna be long. Mm -hmm. Um, we're gonna need a lot of our resources resources to um reconstruct and rebuild. Um, there is a site, a website that says uh, that it's um, helpsinvincent.com where you can log in, mm -hmm. you can log in, and you can make whatever contribution, you know, that you can, uh, you know, any little contribution will be helpful. You know, as um, I heard that on the Christian mentioned a while ago, you're going to take, you're going to take a million, millions of dollars for the recovery, you know, reconstruction, and um, the rebuilding process. But, you know, we have been mentioned, you know, we, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get past it. And we are very resilient, and you know, with time, mm -hmm. we will repair. We will. Let's go to Jamal. Jamal, you were born in St. Vincent. Um, have you been in contact with your your relatives there, Jamal? Yes, I've been in contact with them. Jamal, have you lost him? Jamal. All right. So I think we we just lost him. Let, let, let's hope that we can get him back. Um, soon. Okay, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to pause for our business calls and uh, come back, of course, and continue our discussion. Um, this is a very, very sad time for our friends in St. Vincent. We've got Dr. Fisher Shell, we've got Mr. Williams, and all the way in the Queens uh, there um, in New York. We've also. Uh, um, Come join with me, let's be tribute to Mike and Lee. Let's be she come jump with me and be tribute to Mike and Lee. I am sure you all remember the achievements made by this cricketer. Now come, let's join as one and pay tribute to the man who never pay tribute to a great Vincentian. The greatest keeper to pass through the region. He made fall and a cricketer fight the ladder. Zoom, we've got Dr. Fisher Shallow, Kesit Williams, Jamel Wharton on the line. And we have the former West Indies fast bowler, Cameron Coffey. Jamal, um, I hope uh, we can hear you now. Jamal? All right, you seem to have a little bit of a, a problem there. Uh, Jamal? Yes, can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Hello? Yes. You see, your house is too big, you know, Jamal, and you're just missing the signal there. Jamal? I'm told that he's got a mansion there somewhere in St. George. Dr. Ford told me that. 
Yeah, that was, uh, I would say that his family and friends didn't think that well. Jamal, I think we're beginning to lose you. All right, uh, let, let's hope that we can solve that. In the meantime, Dr. Ford, any questions for Kez uh, as, as he's got up on the Zoom or, or Dr. Shallow before we say good evening, please? Uh, Dr. Shallow, I, I'd like to divert, if, if you would allow me, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little secondary to, to what, what's happening in, in St. Vincent with the volcano. Um, how happy are you to have uh, a organization like Jason Holder named among Wisdom Five and also the present uh, white ball captain, Mr. Pollard, being mentioned as, as you know, a big influence on T20 cricket. How, what, what sort of feather does that put in, in the Cricket West Indies cap? It's, it's, it's a great accomplishment for both gentlemen. Um, they have worked, we know their potential as players. And, you know, I'm really, really happy for, for both. They have, you know, they have really worked out over the last few years um, to put us out of consistency and then to be recognized. I think that that is really good for them. And um, for West Indies cricket as well, and West Indian, um, Jason would have said that he, he hoped he hope that this would, would motivate other players. And I, I share that same um, sentiment that this would indeed motivate Jamel, Keswick, and all the other players that they too would want to be recognized by being a, a one of the wisdom players and maybe a T20 player. Mm-hmm. So, so it's great for us, um, Dr. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, just, just before you, you, you come back to uh, Dr. Shallow, uh, we just uh, uh, made contact with Chris Darren, of course, a former um, executive officer of Cricket Indies. We want to talk to him as well. Um, just want to say... Um, uh, goodbye to Cameron Coffee now. I know that he's a very busy man in Queens. So Cameron, um, make sure that you, your brothers and sisters in Vincent, they really need it. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I sure will. All right, indeed. All right, let's go to Jamaica now and talk to Darren. How are you? Good evening to you, sir. Good, good. I'm not too bad at all. Lots of things happening in my sporting world. Yes, and I, I, I note that interest you've got champs. Um, even before we talk, how big is Champs and how important is it to your, your local economy? Champs is the Olympics to us every year. It is a, it is a phenomenon. It's where, you know, the Jamaican track and field. And I always tell people, you know, when they ask us, they ask me, how, how do we perform the Olympics? I say, well, these kids, mm-hmm. by the time they reach the Olympics, they've been through the pressure of Champs. And so, you know, passing the baton, um, running against all these, all these international athletes, nothing is compared to the pressure they feel at champs. You know, every every businessman is wearing their school tie. You know, for the mm. week of champs, it's a, it's a massive event. You know, and, and of course you can't even no a ticket um, for the final day. It's absolutely rampant. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but without crowds, uh, not the same impact. It, w- it will not be the same because that is the, a big part of Champs, obviously, the crowds and the constant cheering between the school teams and so on. You may have 30,000, 35,000 people packed into the national stadium screaming for every event. It's a totally different uh, event. Um, you know, the pressure isn't there and, you know, the excitement for the kids isn't there. So I'm a little disappointed. I'm sorry for the kids, but I'm, I'm full of at least 
be able to get to perform, you know. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a major stepping stone for them. Um, you know, the international coaches come down, where in this case, they'll be able to see television and streaming and so on and watch and recruit, you know. So Dr. Jamaicans get lots of scholarships overseas, college scholarships overseas, and, you know, so it's, a, it's more than just the athletics of it. It's the, it's the impact it has on the country, uh, the psychological impact it has, the goodwill feeling, the, the camaraderie, and, and the economic opportunity. And I would imagine that the government would have been forced, I mean, even if they even thought of not having it, uh, given what it's all about, uh, to have chances here. Well, they cancelled it last year, yeah. and they were under a tremendous <laughs> amount of pressure to, to cancel it again this year. And if you think about the, you know, the, the kids who have prepared and, and, and so on, you know, especially the class one athletes, you know, who mm. they would have, this would have been their, the second maybe of their last, you know, their last opportunity to parade their skills, to get onto the national track team. It's, it's an Olympic year. Um, and believe it or not, you know, you do find everywhere. The most amazing thing about champs is that records continue to be broken, which means you're finding faster and faster kids every year, uh, which is just an amazing, you know, statistic. You know, we, our 100 boys final would be the national, you know, the average um, time run by the eight finalists would probably be the national record in, in three quarters of the countries of the world. And that's all high school boys final and girls, and girls. Um, so, you know, it is a phenomenon. It, it's what has created all the, the track stars out of Jamaica, you know. So it creates, it's, it's probably as close to true professional athletic development in the Caribbean as you can get. Because cricket doesn't have this, football doesn't have this. The recruitment that takes place of these kids, they're spotted in the, you know, prep school and primary school uh, track meet. They're recruited, they're fed, trained, fattened, you know, um, for, and recruited into the high schools, the old boys network, you know, helps to fund it and get these kids into their alma mater and so on. They have this real production line. Um, that, that that creates champs and you know it, it, it really would be a wonderful model if other sports could, could replicate it. Indeed. Well we got Dr. Kishore Shallow with us as well and of course uh, Keswick Williams who was focusing um, very much on what's happening. I know that Dr. Ford has uh, um, got some questions for you but you know there are people listening uh, all over the world and they actually um, have a WhatsApp saying that they're quite happy to have you on the show Chris and they're asking need to ask you if athletics is the most popular sport in Jamaica? Not by a long shot. It's it, 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 it very popular during champs. Right. Um, it's also very popular during the Olympics. Obviously, it's a great source of pride. Mm -hmm. But the most popular sport in Jamaica is football, by far. I mean, certainly, by far. By far. By far. Um, um, and we've, when I was at the Western Cricket Board, we had done some stuff. Like, you'd be surprised at what number two happened to be at the time. I'm not for sure if it's the same, but number two was horse racing. Horse racing? <laughs> it was. A, it was. Paruso told me that in Jamaica a couple of years ago, and it was shocked. It was the most bizarre result. Nobody was expecting it yeah. <laughs> in terms of the in terms of the popularity of it. Um, track and field and cricket was just about the same. Um, and basketball had, was a distant fourth or fifth, but the young population, the under 25, it was definitely the most popular. It, it was second, sorry, to football. So, second so, to football. so football by far? Yeah. 
followed by, by a distance. By a distance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Followed by athletic. And then horse racing. No, no, it was horse football. Then it was horse. This is the overall figures. They took it down by right. age group. It changed a little. Ooh. But overall, it was football by, by a, a, a huge distance. It was, mm-hmm. you know, 30 point gap kind of thing. Um, then it was horse racing. Then track, field, and cricket was just about the same. It was, you know, a couple, it was a point something of a percent difference. So, you know, it's just about the same. Uh, and then basketball, but once you put, once you change the age group, um, so the, on the under 25, basketball was, was second to football. Football was still at quite a distance, um, number one, but basketball came uh, second. Well, of course, it's really good to have you on the show. Um, and of course, we've got Dr. Dr. Kishore Shallow with us. We were just looking. I have not the pleasure of meeting Dr. Shallow, I don't think. Oh, Dr. Dr. Shallow? Know, <laughs> Dr. Shallow? How are you? <laughs> Chris Darren wants to meet you on Mayfield again. Good evening. Chris, Chris, good evening to you. I, I, I can tell that I've been listening to you all, all the time, every time you come on on this um, program. And, um, you know, always informing us, you know, especially from your from marketing perspective. You know, and, and I'm hoping that maybe after this COVID eases, we'll be able to move. In Portland, sometime in Jamaica, some other part of the Caribbean. Yeah, my, it will be my pleasure. But I, I will tell you, you know, I, I, I don't envy your, your situation. And I, all I do, you know, when I hear people, Dr. Shallow, uh, cursing the Western District Board mm-hmm. and so on for just about every ill, I, I have a great deal of empathy for you because I know the challenges. Mm-hmm. I know the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, before I let you to Andrew Ford smiling, um, when you do an assessment of the two years in office for Kishore Shell was vice president and Ricky Scared as president, um, your assessment, you think they did reasonably okay given the challenges? It would have to be, a, you know, a, a, in, in this situation, you know, there's, no, there's no A or B. There's just, you, you either pass or fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd have to give them a pass. Um, there's, there's, you know, they have one of the most, um, unheralded and, and unusual circumstances to deal with. You know, nobody would have had, um, and in the modern paradigm, with the modern paradigm of sports and so on, um, you know, we, they, we, you'd have to say that you know, they would have a very high passing grade. Uh, we were able to host um, tours, we were able to travel and get tours done and win on top of it. So whatever uh, modicum of preparation the team would have had to um, been able to, to, to participate in, it, it produced results. Um, you know, I, I always I know that things are always in a continuum as well. So you know, even though you know uh, Ricky and, and, and Dr. Miller would have had a hand in what took place today, you, these things are in a continuum. And so there was good work on uh, previous to them that brought the team to, to a much more competitive level. Um, I obviously don't know the details of the administration, what's going on now in terms of their finances and whether or not they're, they're able to, to deal with that, that particular situation, which is going to be tough in a COVID environment. You know, the earnings potential isn't just, it simply isn't there as it would be you know, in a normal circumstance. But the fact that they've been able to get some home tours, which hopefully would have garnered some, some television, revenues, and so on would be, would be a good thing. I understand there might be an England tour on. I know yes. South Africa is yeah, coming yeah, shortly. Yeah. South Africa is supposed to be coming along with Australia and Pakistan. 
and England early in the new year? Well, if we, we pull all of that off, I mean, England is always a good tour for revenue perspective, um, not so much South Africa. I mean, Australia, they'll do okay, I suppose. Um, that's great. And you know, I, I see more and more cricket on, on the internet. I do still believe, and again, another word buzzing in the air, Dr. Charlotte, do not forget television in the Caribbean. You keep forgetting it, and it's, it's where you have this sport on television, on free-to-air, because that's, it, it, it's what feeds the tree, you know, mm. and you've got to get kids watching it. You've got, you know, the idea that, you know, in the Caribbean, with the vast majority of the population, people are all going to be sitting, streaming it on their phones, and it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a reality yet. You know, the people can't afford uh, mobile data. So, you know, the vast majority. Yes, of course, they're going to be some. But you just, you got to get it on TV. you got to get it, that option there in front of them. And you, you never know. You might pick up a fastball or two. Mm. Uh, Doc, have you taken that advice, Dr. Shallow? Doc, Shallow, have you taken point. that? Yeah, yes, it's an excellent point by, by Chris. Um, I mean, Keswick and myself and other cricketers. Keswick is not too far in terms of age. Eh? He might not want to admit that. Mm. You know, but we play, we play against each other a few times. And because you're out a few times all the time. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the, so, the, so the, point, the point I was making there was that he obviously probably would have been attracted to cricket course um, by looking at you know at cricket and, and telly, you know, and not having to pay for it, of course. And so this this would go a long way in terms of fan engagement, you know, bringing back um, persons to cricket, to love follow cricket. And in fact, I can recall a few fans in India, you know, sending me private messages about, you know, not having access to West Indies matches, you know, um, because of the fact that, you know, the platform being used now that you have to subscribe. So it, it is an important point. I'm happy that there's more cricket being streamed, um, but a lot more cricket being streamed on, on whether it's YouTube or other platforms. Um, this too, you know, on the go, more young people tune in on, online. And so every opportunity where we can broadcast cricket would, would definitely help in, in building our cricket, getting fans engaged. And for every fan that comes on board, um, a family, you're going to have one of the children there who probably aspiring to become the next Keswick or the next Jomel or the next Jason Hall and so on. So it's, it's important that the kids get to see the cricket. And however we can make that possible, we must explore. Mm -hmm. uh, Doc, any questions uh, for your good friend in Jamaica? Chris Barron. Uh, good night, Chris. Um, good night, Dr. Ford. Oh, yeah. uh, Chris, are there, are there any marketing silver linings in this uh, COVID time? And if so, can they be applicable to the cricket? Yeah, you know... <laughs> One of the I've been watching a lot of what's been taking place online and and on television, and you'll you'll notice something recently happened, which I think should inform people. The N the NFL recently sold their television rights for the next ten years, and they sold it again to the broadcasters, in other words, to TV. So all the, you know, I, I can't remember how much it was, something like um, thirty or something like that over 10 years. But it, it, it's interesting because of all the hype, as you know, people talk about online, mm -hmm. sports 
still, the ecosystem is still very much centered around television. And that's, that's something important. But what it also taught me or, or indicates is the importance of sport in the um, COVID um, era. Because I believe that consumer patterns are going to change. They're going to be more in-home um, type services demanded. Um, you know, you've seen the delivery pop-up delivery systems. You know, people looking for all kind of ways to deliver services to home now and so on. And, of course, the easiest way to deliver um, services to home is electronically. Therefore, you know, one of the prime cities that needs to be delivered to the home are electronic products. Then I start to look at what are some of the, the, the electronic content that's driving all types of excitement. I guess you have your Premier League and, you know, the English Premier League and so on and those high-profile sports. What has been amazing is all the retro sports all the old matches, old events. And I mean, I, you know, it, it just look at Versa. The other night they had um, Earth, Wind, and Fire versus Isley Brothers. You know, this was a current artist and it created the, the, probably the biggest hype of the Versa battle. And similarly, you're seeing this resurgence of old content, old matches, old. You know, and so on. So, you know, Western Cricket has had this archive. I don't even know where you guys still keep it. If PWI still maintains it, but that archive that we have and all the archives that BBC had, and I know I I have been in this question with BBC. You know, in the old days, you know, Andrew, they used to turn up at Kensington Oba and film. There were no no such thing as TV rights, eh? But there's been quite a bit of, you know, case study now in, in terms of where those rights belong. So I think, you know, you should probably revisit it, get hold of those archives and start to do some, some you know, real old-time cricket, you know, real, you know, let people can monetize some of that uh, archive that we have now mm-hmm. um, that's been sitting in those digital vaults for years. Um, so, I, you know, I know some of it's sold and DVDs done and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, quite aside, the current cricket, I think there is now a market just because of this incredible demand for content and there's this incredible demand for what is happening is that the older generation, from what I gather, are now coming online. You know, so the grandfather and the grandmother never used to, this is about the online thing. Mm-hmm. They're now getting online and they're able to use it. And of course, what kind of sports do they want to see? They want to see some new basketball games. Um, the Mavericks or whatever. No, no. They want to see their old West Indies. They want to see this that old time thing that they used to see live that they have never they haven't seen since and so on. And so that's basically what I gather is happening in that online space where you're getting this generation of people coming back um, because they're not alive. So it's something that you guys should really look at. Uh, I know that. You were involved in Cricket West Indies over a decade ago, and you're, you're aware of you intimated with, uh, with Dr. Shallow about how difficult it is, and, and there's always a concern financially about is CWI uh, viable as an ongoing concern, I guess, accounting, uh, you know. But do you think that we've had, you know, strides, in financing and marketing of the game 
in the region, when you reflect on what happened, you know, when you were involved with the World Cup and with Cricket West Indies compared to now, over a decade later? Well, the, the attendance at matches is, you know, probably proof of the pudding. And I always say, look, attendance at, at, at matches is, is, a, is, a, is a sample, is a survey. Um, of the, the demand for your sport. You can definitely see the demand for your sport has, has waned. Um, you know, if you, if you recall, when I was back in those days, you know, you, you, you sell out the one days almost immediately. Uh, you sell out the Saturday and Sundays of Texas almost immediately. The Pakistans have been suffering uh, and so on. So, and that's not a reflection of the administration. It's just a reflection of the time. You know, you had less competition for um, entertainment and activities and so on. Western cricket was at a was at a much higher level. We were probably mid table versus lower table type of thing. We would, you know, we still had some superstars that were in the game. Like Brian Lara, Courtney Walsh, and Ambrose and so on. So it's a reflection really of the time. Um, marketing is a lot more difficult now because you have this very fragmented ecosystem. You have so many sports now on television. You know, back in our days, we didn't, we didn't have to worry about English Premier League on television. It wasn't live. Or, or NBA basketball, it wasn't live. You got a bit of it, but it wasn't this um, pervasive, um, didn't pervade the airways as such. So it was a lot easier. Um, and then, of course, cricket, the sport, the, the ICC really, as a body, because it is run by, you know, the, the countries, and mainly, of course, you now India, England, Australia. I mean, back in my days, it was Australia and England just fighting over who ran this whole thing. They've never really sat down and been able to devise a financial formula that makes it fair. Um, that makes it a competitive league. You know, they, every, every country just simply wants to take a bigger piece of the pie for themselves. Um, you know, so they've never really sat down and created a pie. You know, England keeps their revenues, West Indies keeps our revenues. If England's revenues are 250 million a year and West Indies is, what, five, six, seven million a year? You know, it, it's, it's just an unfair um, and, and illogical perspective that the, the countries take. Um, I, I, I can only imagine the, the frustration when a Dr. Shallow or Ricky Sterry sits down with these guys at the ICC, and I'm sure making the same case that a Dave Cameron before would have made, that a Bristol before would have made, that, you know, Teddy Griffiths would have made, that mm -hmm. I would have made. In fact, I did a presentation to the ICC once on how to restructure the, the, the revenue um, division so you could create a, a, a sustainable league based on the sharing of the re of the television revenues. You put all the test series into a pool and you stop what you sell on the international market and so on. But you know, it, it never gets anywhere. Never gets anywhere. Um, so it's a it's a it's a huge challenge. Um, and of course, because we don't have a country, so you don't have that state base that you know this is Australia. And, and this is the Australian cricket team, and so you're going to get a, a be able to dip into the consolidated fund to fund, you know, academies and training facilities and so on. You know, all these little islands that, you know, you add up all our economies, we don't make one. You know, 
So it's always going to be a challenge. It was a wonderful period that Western cricket was able to overcome, but it's, it's always going to be a challenge going forward in the new paradigm of professional sports. Dr. Shelley, you want to react to anything that we said the other Chris? Chris was in the market, you know, I mean, and not be directly for cricket, no, but he, he has an extremely good understanding of the market and he's explaining ideas on this so well that you know, the challenges, you know, then, I mean, we, we could all, Chris coming from in the situation, the reality. Um, but we had to try to be as innovative as possible. Um, what the new SMDs is about, you know, I, I think that. We focus on cricket and get out, especially for senior teams, both male and female, you know, start getting consistent winning. Um, then that will certainly help. Um, we don't want to be associated with, with winners. And it, it just, we just have to find ways of, of winning. And when we win, then people are going to, are going to want to listen to us. Um, we probably won't um, attract each other's revenue or ideas that be ideal, but, but I'm sure that we'll be able to be attractive and at least have some fruitful discussions there. It's about any different um, dynamic, getting everything coming together, making our organization and our brand extremely attractive, ensuring that we capitalize on opportunities, be innovative, you know, and, and that's it. And I'm sure that there are ways that we could, uh, we could achieve um, those sort of like uh, your commercial and we, we just have to to ensure that we, we, we work together to um with our commercial partners in the Caribbean, our corporate community in the Caribbean. Um and I, I have stressed on this many times about our limited resources. And so we have to ensure that our other stakeholders they are part of this. We want to get to a stage of you know, competing with with India and Australia and England and so on, but tremendous resources come to us and in order for us to do so we have to find ways of moving our youth programs forward you know, while trying to win you know, simultaneously trying to, to win international matches we need government to play the part by investing in grassroots cricket um, we need our territorial boards to understand their role in you know understanding that they too must explore some commercial activities and that way that it's just not cricket West Indies fund every program, right? Um, and then we, we have different facets in working together, different parts of the machine working together, moving everything in the right direction so that we could just be producing players while trying to improve our ranking or global ranking and so on. So it, it's, a, it's a, a difficult task, and I think that's what Chris was saying. And, and he, he smiled and he, I can hear it in his voice because he knows fully well how difficult of a, of a task, you know, leading Western cricket is. You know, it's already difficult to gain in separate islands, which is one unique um, situation that we have. Um, but then in a pandemic, um, fighting for the resources with other sports and other, other, other obligations from government, you know, it's, it's difficult. But with some leadership, we, we can achieve by... Um, bringing all our people together, all our resources together, getting persons, our stakeholders on the same wavelength, get players, managers, administrators across the region, getting them on the same wavelength. I think that's a start. And credit and 
President Garrett, I think he has done some to get everyone to understand the inclusive approach that we are trying to achieve. And, you know, we now have to start on building what we have started over this past three years. And just, just really continue, continue to, to, to ensure that, you know, our stakeholders um, are on board and that they from the same township, but it's not easy, you know, it's not, it's not an easy road. Um, they're hard loads. Um, I don't know, that, that's, that's just it, but I remain quite optimistic mm -hmm. that Cricket West Indies, as we have seen over the last few months, not saying that we have turned any corner, that's the fourth before you think I'm saying that. I know you, you might want to say that. Uh, it is, you know, you know, and you know, I can't come on the program without getting a little fun with that before, right? Yes. So, you know that. Yes, so, yeah, exactly. So, we're not saying that we have turned in the corner, but the performance of the, the, the senior men's team over the last month have been encouraging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, performance like that are going to encourage others, encourage the female team, encourage our youth system, encourage our staff, executive management at the office, and all the other stakeholders. Mm -hmm. We need to remain positive. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, you certainly got um, some reaction to what you said. Uh, earlier, uh, but uh, someone on WhatsApp is asking, how do you revive the interest of cricket in your own country, Jamaica? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that I've always struggled with, and, you know, interestingly, when when I played all the cricket in Antigua recently, mm -hmm. if you recall the, the furore when I tried to play with the red stripe ball. Yes. <laughs> yes, you remember that? Yeah. My goodness, but it's the sensible thing to do. You don't spread cricket around by moving much around. Spread cricket around by concentrating it and and then televising it into all the other countries. Because you, the resources that you save, I, I, I think one of you've, you've, you've locked into it, Doctor Shalo, because the, because of COVID, you've had to create these these um, bubbles and so on and and, and not move teams and players and television equipment around, but mm. that hopefully will allow you to save some resources. I can't, I can't imagine a test series being held in the Caribbean and, and no matches in Barbados. Mm. Um, so, so I'm not one that, um, that was an... I, I believe, how do you revive interest? It's got to make the game look exciting. First of all, Dr. Shala hit him the first nail on the head, which is winning. You know, that is, that is the number one thing that you have to, to get the team and they've done a good job. And in fact, surprisingly, I've heard on the radio a couple of comments from calling people saying, well, we look like they're winning again. And when is the next series? I want, to, I want to be able to see it and so on. The challenge is when you only have it on things like cable or streaming, you leave out the vast majority of the country. And one of the challenges you have to you, you, face is that there are two countries that make up the vast majority of the population of the Caribbean, Jamaica and Trinidad. And so you have to find a way to bring the weight, the commercial weight mm -hmm. of those two large populations onto cricket to create that, that pressure for the benefit of everybody. So it's not that you discount in Barbados or Antigua or so on. Of course, those are extremely important countries, especially, you know, obviously those two countries have an incredible history in Western cricket, Barbados produces everybody, you know, all the, the great cricketers and so on. Um, but, but you have to then find a way 
to make sure you're bringing the weight of 2.7 million Jamaicans and 1.7 million Trinidadians in terms of the population. And that weight needs to be found, that needs to be, um, uh, put pressure on your gate. You know, so you're hoping that the, the, the Barbados game, you can bring the, the potential weight of, of everybody onto that Barbados game in terms of television and so on. And so that, that for me, that's the, that's the only formula. The team has to win. And then you've got to find a way to get cricket back onto free-to-air television, get it back onto the masses. You know, I don't know if people um, understand the numbers. It's, it's the guys at Western Super are studying the numbers. But when you watch some of the games, even the local games, the, the Super um, the Super 50, 50, I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Super 50 and so on. That are being streamed. But I look up in the corner and I can see how many people are watching and you get used to like 64 and 32. And those are not the kind of numbers that you want um, um, to be watching in Jamaica when you have 3 million people. So, you know, you, you, you have to find a way to get it onto free to air. I don't know what the, the television contracts are like. Um, and I obviously, obviously there's a balance between the market of it and the, and the economics of it because it's, if a flow or a digital are paying good money, that the Western Square Board needs, I understand that dilemma. But then perhaps flow should be then asked to, okay, after you've gotten the live event, can we get it on free to air? The, the entire, in its, in, its, in its entirety, on free to air afterwards, um, and so on. And, and, I, and I think, you know, people, you know, in, in Jamaica, out of the 880,000 households in Jamaica, 800,000 have a TV set. But only 190,000 are cable. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 600,000 households, and, those, and and mainly in the rural, which is where all our cricketers come from. Right. Which is where all our cricketers come from. Mm-hmm. Um, not seeing it. You know, so it's just, when you look at that kind of analysis, you go, okay, wait a minute. We need to do something about all those people who are just picking up an antenna on their TV set, and that's all they have. They don't have fixed internet at home, and they don't have cable. Now, when you talk to somebody from St. Kitts, or, or, you know, where everybody has cable, they, you know, it seems it's just such an anathema. <laughs> like, what do you mean? People use an antenna? Mm-hmm. Yes, the vast majority of, the, of Jamaica, which means the vast majority of the population of Caribbean. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't think of it as Jamaica. If, if this was one country, this would just be your province, the province of Jamaica or the state. Uh, type of thing, and you're just trying to bring the weight of that state population onto 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 Western cricket, um, because you don't need a large popul- large percentage of the population of Jamaica to make a significant impact, you know, to have the same impact as all Barbados um, type of thing. Or, as you know, Andrew, right. is is the economy of Barbados? It is. If you got all of Fort Moore watching uh, cricket and loving cricket and so on. You're talking about another economy of Barbados coming to bring its weight onto cricket West Indies, and you can then try and monetize. So it's very important that, that we, you know, it's, and it's hard because when I was there, obviously, anything you try to do that looked like it's focused off on Jamaica, between that, oh, you're favoring the big islands and so on. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the economy. You're just trying to bring the weight of that economy for the benefit of everybody. Uh, Chris, we just got another couple of minutes left in the show. It's really 
pleasure to have you on the show along with Dr. Patricia Sciaro and, and Keswick Williams who made a very, um, very, very good contribution. We certainly had a look at St. Vincent. In the, what, three, four minutes remaining, um, as I said, your friends there in Jamaica are locked on. And someone is saying, well, Chris said that football is the most uh, popular sport in Jamaica. But before he leaves, I want to know from him who is more popular, Bob Marley or Usain Bolt? Well, you're talking different generations. I mean, for the younger people, um, Usain Bolt would be more popular. For my generation, and probably a little younger than me, you know, Bob Marley was a phenomenon. It's, you know, there was no T-shirt stand that you went anywhere in the world and you would find Bob Marley T-shirt. Mm. Um, and I, I got to understand. I, I mean, I, I grew up on Bob Marley, mm-hmm. so, I'm, so I'm going to be biased. But I didn't. I got to understand the impact of Bob um, when I went to Brazil, places like Brazil. But he didn't think would know Bob Marley or know his songs and so on. And I met my 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 wife, nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. and they could all. These are youngsters. These are 18 year old and 21 year old, you know, kids. They could all sing every Bob Marley song. You know, this is the moment years after Bob was gone, and they're still, it was a phenomenon. And then even my wife, who's Brazilian, so she learned to speak English listening to Bob Marley. That's, what she, that's how she learned to speak English uh, uh, growing up in Brazil. And I'm like, whoa, I, you know, it's just things you just never understood the, the impact he had globally. Um, in countries that you would just would never have imagined. So, yes, you see, Bolt is a phenomenon. The only problem with sports, and somebody like you saying, records are going new sports here is going to come along. But Bob's music just lives forever. Mm. So he lasts them all. Final question to you. Um, how has been the COVID experience for you, um, Chris? Well, it's been difficult. I actually caught it contracting in I know, yeah. August last year. Um, you know, the, the hardest part was mental because you're, you're sitting down knowing that you have it and you're not feeling that bad, but you're seeing all these deaths and, you know, you, you start to imagine everything that's happening to you on the inside, you know, kind of thing. That was tough. The concert, yes. obviously, um, yeah. and it's going to be tough for a long time. You know, there are no, no tourists here. The hotels are, are empty. And, um, you know, so we're all suffering. And But, look, you know, we have to get through it. When I when I see what happened in St. Vincent, you know, you thought of my heart goes out to all my St. Vincent brothers and sisters. Um, easily, I always said it, and you know, Andrew, I used mm. to use the St. Vincent cricket zone in every brochure, in oh, every yes. presentation yeah, I made yeah. to tell the cricket um, world because man. for beautiful. me, it is the most beautiful cricket ground in the world. Mm. You know, it, it, was, it is how cricket is meant to be played in the Caribbean, right there on the seaside yes. and, and so on. Um, yeah, so I really my heart goes out to them and I hope everything works out. Um, I'm sure they're, they're resilient people and, you know, anything Jamaica can do, you know, mm-hmm. we're always willing to help. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for coming through and talking to us. Always a pleasure to talk to you on this. And yes, enjoy the rest of your evening and stay safe. Thank you, and good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Good night, Chris. Right. Final couple of seconds left. Of course, the Dr. Shallow would have made a lot of notes, and I believe he may employ Chris as a consultant. don't think that Dr. Ford would get the job, 
given this criticism, but of course, the sponsors fear of criticism is the kiss of death in the court. Uh, uh, and, and you always didn't have including Dr. Ford, you know. Including Dr. Ford, right. He's strongly considered for any, any sort of role, you know, obviously based on his, his expertise. Right. Final words with you, Kez. What do you have to say to the people of the, the region? We know your difficult situation here uh, in in St. Vincent, and then of course we're going to wrap with you, Dr. Shabba. Let's start with Kez. Uh, I like I like that word, um, Kez. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to do my best, um, trying to help out the people that really need it. Mm. Um, there's a lot of people here in Georgia, even people at home that need um, help. So right. I'm trying to do my best. I just want to um, thank the guys in Barbados who. Mm-hmm come together and try to get the bits and pieces from me here to help out as well. Carlos played a really, really big part from mm-hmm. Barbados. Um, from Trinidad, I want to thank mm-hmm. Riyadh, who, who's on the ground down there. He's really organizing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really getting the stuff from the visitors to get them sent up to me. I uh, spent a few bit of cash to get some stuff done, but I mean, this is from my heart. You know what I mean? I want to do it. I'm not, I'm not looking for the fame. I'm not looking for any sort of, um, mm-hmm. you know, pictures or anything from anybody to go on the news or anything like that. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is from my heart because I know that people need help. Mm-hmm. You know, my, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can do whatever I can for my family and make sure that they're happy, make sure that they're out of the, mm-hmm. the orange zone and they're safe and everything is good. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there who's willing to support, mm-hmm. who's willing to help, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure um, Ish is, is, is doing his best as well here mm-hmm. for the people. Vincent, um, mm-hmm. we, we coordinate together and, and see how best we could, you know, work together. And, 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 and you mm-hmm. know, he was on a boat cruise uh, the, the other day going to the, the, the Red Zone. The very brave man. Red, oh, oh, very brave to, man. Yes, indeed. Yeah. When, when he was almost the Minister of Health, I'm told. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. I, I'm not, I won't be surprised if in the next couple of years he would be uh, going to politics. Mm-hmm. I always tell mm-hmm. Telling that I, I won't be surprised with him going into politics because <laughs> it's the first year. Would so you support him? Would you, would you support like him? Yeah, definitely. Of course. So you're so, so, so you're Ralph Gonzalez man then? Definitely. Okay. I know no, your politics. <laughs> well, yeah, well, right. We're gonna go. Uh, Kesho, Doctor Shallow, the, the the Minister of Health and Waiting. Final words with you before we say hello to all of our listeners and goodbye. I just want to say thanks to everyone who has expressed their, their, their support in mean, one way or the other. You know, um, as Kevin said, a lot of people have really been helping uh, and support remotely and, and so on. And we're extremely thankful, uh, Andrew. Thanks to you. Thanks to Dr. Ford as well mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. everyone else who has, who has made some sort of contribution. We really appreciate it. We, we appreciate that as well. We want to thank you for coming through on the show, Dr. Shallow. Thanks to you, Kevin Williams. And what a beautiful interview we just had earlier with Toby Rath, Joe Grave as well, and of course, always good to hear from Chris Barron. And just before I go, Doc, you know, I asked him about Bob Marley and Usain Bolt. I remember going to Zimbabwe the last time, I think, that I the played there. I went into a supermarket, and I said to the cashier, I am from Barbados. And the cashier said to me, what part of Jamaica is that? <laughs> and you know why she said it? Because of Bob Marley. I'm Andrew Mason. It's open for Brian tomorrow. Good night. Australia, Bangladesh, Bermuda and Canada, England, the Netherlands, 
India and Ireland, Land, New Zealand, Kenya, Pakistan and Scotland, South Africa, Zimbabwe and Sri Lanka, administrators, players and fans, welcome to World Cup Cricket in the Caribbean. Welcome to the best place in the world, welcome to the best game in the world. Welcome to the best place in the world. Welcome, 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 one and all. Welcome, let's have a ball. We want you to have real fun in the islands under the sun. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the best place in the world. Welcome to the best game in the world. Every man and woman, every boy and girl. Welcome to the best. Welcome, 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 
The Mason and Guest Show. We just wanted to just play you a little bit of songs out of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. You folks know what a disaster happened in that country. And we were really, really saddened by the eruption of that volcano. And we ask that you contribute as much as you can to help the brothers and sisters over there who are struggling. We have not had a fund being launched, but what we know, there is one on the net that you can contribute. So we just ask all our friends and well-wishers, if everybody were to give $5, if everyone who listens on the air would have given $5, it's $5 more that these folks would have gotten. I trust that you may just hear my plea and act accordingly. I'm going to find ways and means to make sure that my contribution is being sent to the southern brothers and sisters. Folks, the money is not yours. Whatever you have is not yours. You're just taking care of it. And some way, sometimes, somehow, some way, it's going to leave your hand. You could go to someone else. And it's it's a cycle, it's a circle. It goes around, comes around. It goes around, it comes back to you. It goes back to somebody, comes back to you. It's a cycle. So give. The more you give, the more you get. Thank you for listening. Despite the interruptions that we have encountered, I trust that you would have enjoyed the latter part of the show. Um, a lot of interference. And I just trust and pray that in the future, we will just have less interruption in the show because its quality has been improved from, from our end, but it's just been interrupted by interference internally. I made a report, and I just hope that they will take care of it for me from the end. 
Good night. God bless. And see you on Sunday, Sunday, from 6 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's when we will have a cricket talk. And it goes from 6 until 9. And we are hoping to have a very, very interesting guest. We'll make our, our contacts tomorrow. And as such, we'll make you know about it by posting it in our archives. God bless everyone of you. Have a nice evening. We are so happy to see the decision has been made. The jury day came down. The decision which is more favored by the most of the people who saw the trial and know the facts. It was uh, a decision well deserved and we just hope this will bring some peace and calm to our country. Good night. God bless.